Hi, Henrik. What's up, my co-host? Well, I haven't left for two nights now, so I'm I'm reaching that that famous point where the surrealism slowly starts to slip into your your real life. So, in in other words, I mean I'm in prime mood to do a flick lab episode. Me myself and I has been also busy. I went to a school to give a a presentation of the first Halloween film from 1978, and that was quite of a blast. So thank you for everyone for listening to me for at least five, ten minutes, whatever it was. But yeah, and then we have been doing two episodes this week, basically because we've been trying different kinds of things in the laboratory. Anyway, I think it's good to get to the point. Some sometimes a little bit quicker than usual. What is the tonight's film? Outer Space from 1999, I would believe. Ooh, boy, yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what, what actually is today's film. Like, quite literally, today's case. Because this really is... Outer Space is... Well, first and foremost, it is an art piece. And it is an art piece that actually makes you think is it even a film because in in many ways it, it kind of isn't in in the traditional sense how you and me usually understand the concept of a thing called movie yeah what we can probably agree on is that it's a short film that lasts for 10 minutes and it's a film and we are now lately doing a little bit more of the short films, at least once a month. This is something that I chose when I was browsing movie.com. We have already watched The Staggering Girl as one of the films from a movie's collection. This is kind of a, 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 like a Netflix for more artsy-dartsy films where we like to dabble every once in a while. It's a film directed by Peter Cherkaski, born in 1958. He's an Austrian avant-garde film director at least mostly, who usually works in found footage. And uh, he doesn't use digital film at all. He basically attended a film school in Vienna and later also studied journalism and political science. And supposedly what made him an avant-garde director began when he was influenced by the January 1978 lectures. He attended these avant-garde lectures of P. Adam Sidney at the Australian Film Museum. And he's been still at, at it since 1979. Been doing a steady release of different kinds of films. In this vein, at least I understand him for the most part during his career. Yeah, of course, when it comes to his title as the director, it, yeah. it, it merits to be pointed out to anyone who doesn't know 
the director. And perhaps also as a discussion point for, for both, both of us that that Cherkasky isn't director in a traditional sense. Like usually usually when, when you hear the word director, someone is a director, what, what you think about most likely is something like Steven Spielberg, Alfred Hitchcock, all those Marvel directors, people who are in control of an enormous filmmaking machine with, with actors, with light technicians, with cameramen, uh, they, they work on sets, they shoot on locations, stuff like that. that. That's what the first image that at least I have in my mind when I hear the title director. And Cherkaski is an interesting person in the sense that he's a director who doesn't really direct anything. Cherkaski's films, essentially, they are standalone projects like projects he have he has done alone by using the film material the using using film reels from other movies he essentially takes the takes the footage to a dark room where he cuts it into different ways and and manipulates the footage like physically manipulates it in, in a way that it it loses more or less its original meaning and intent and it becomes a new work this is just somehow reminding me of the, the when the sampling age started via the internet and people were illegally downloading a bunch of music and then making their own interpreted uh, tracks by combining those beats or elements from said songs and then basically making it a kind of a challenging case for the copyright law uh, I don't know what's going on here, of course, but yeah, it just came into my mind. What is the film that actually has been, well, manipulated this time? Today's film, or today's, uh, I, I don't know what to call it, the un unfortunate victim of manipulation? It depends on, on how, how you feel about the movie itself, but essentially it's an old Poltergeist horror classic called Entity, directed by Sidney J. Fury, which is is a heavily sexual account of what allegedly is a real-life Poltergeist case. Yeah, uh, I just watched the film for the background research for this tonight's episode, and that the Entity that this film is based on. This is originally optioned for, for Roman Polanski, actually. But as, as you stated out, that it's directed by Sidney J. Fury. And he is a director that I have managed to find out was... He's a, he's a director who is known for working across genres and being able to put his kind of own stamp on them. You could even say that he's a very talented director who took genres, known for garbage, and then gave the genre a momentary facelift, or did something else with the with the genre. Would you agree with that? I'm not very familiar with the director because I've seen only this one. Well, I unfortunately have to also confess that I'm not super familiar with with Fury. My biggest, uh, the one that I 
I, I remember the best and I'm most familiar with is is also the Ipcrest file. The entity. Oh. And uh, when it comes to his other works, I I really am not super uh, super familiar with i i do know a couple of cases from here and there and unfortunately with those films i i kind of fail to see like on, on what premise would all that fame uh and his his legacy as a director would have been built like like we are essentially my, my problem here is that we are talking about the director who made superman 4 <laughs> the quest for peace, which uh, quite agreeably is is one of the worst, if not the worst, Superman film ever made. And later on, he has made some really cheap C grade action flicks, like the the one I I sat through once was the Dolph Lundgren vehicle detention. Which I I'm taking is is so subpar movie that that it even hasn't garnered any any kind of a like larger larger release. I originally saw it as a as a scan box DVD of all goddamn things. So <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to Fury as someone who elevates genre outside of the entity. I I haven't seen any examples. Yeah, well, I think his most famous work is The Ipcrest File, which I also unfortunately haven't seen, starring Michael Caine. And it's been loaded as a fantastic film and, and whatnot. But uh, also a lot of praises receiving the entity. And I do have to admit that at times the, the film is fucking scary, even though the director himself doesn't see it as a horror film. He says it as uh, what was it, a supernatural suspense film. Well, anyway, I would call it really horror, and I I really like how it begins because you truly cannot comprehend what is going on in this film. Like, without any warning or explanation, you see things that just start happening inside the house, and then later you start to see that th there is some kind of otherworldly figure there. You can't see it; it's not visible to the eye causing intentional harm to the family living in their house. So so it's something that I haven't really exactly seen before. That the way that it starts is, my God, like, what is going on here? You can't understand it, comprehend any of it. And, uh, you know, it's just starting to slowly open up to you. And uh, it certainly does that too slowly. And it's, just, it's, it's way over long film, in my opinion. But very interesting, very interesting. And, and the way that... Some of those scenes develop, I would say, are helped by the fact that this is based on real events, or at least the, it's based on the book, and the book is based on the real events, or air quotation mark real events. Whatever happened there, who knows? But uh, my point is that some of those f scenes and how the film develops seem, seems quite realistic or naturalistic. Like, it, it's not like... A Hollywood blockbuster where where you you know everything follows the the other thing, but it's you can't really expect what's going to happen next. I kind of like that. Yeah, it, it sticks. It, it it sticks its its feet pretty strongly to the to ground. Uh, um, 
If I remember correctly, it's been some time since I last saw the film myself, but I do remember that the ending, the, the, kind of the, the final high point of the film went kind of over the rails. If I remember correctly, this is the one where they, they try to, to kind of a trap, should I study the, the entity yeah. in, in some kind of a close, yeah, it's a it's a replica of the real house in some kind of facility. Yeah, yeah, some kind of, yeah, they rebuild it in some type of a research facility. And if I remember correctly, they were like exploding <laughs> oxygen cans or something like that. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, liquid helium, and they're trying to kill the monster of the day with that or capture it. And then the monster of the day. Well, maybe watch the film. I don't, I'm not going to give all the details. Yeah. And with that, like, with those exploding cans and what happens, that the havoc that happens on the, on the last minutes of the film, those I remember having a slight problem with. Because the rest of the movie is actually... It's very much a void of of these type of things and these this this type of extravaganza, and it's very heavily it, it's kind of kind of a very subdue film up until that point, yeah. and it's a, it's a movie that actually benefits from the fact that it doesn't try to be anything big and bombastic because the main theme of the movie. Is, is extremely hard and haunting. Essentially, what we are talking about in the entity is is rape. The yeah, film it... is, is based on the Doris Peter case, where Doris Peter has made the, the statement that, that during 1974, she allegedly was being raped by a ghost. Or, or more than one separate entities, ghosts, poltergeists, you name it. But essentially, that the whole haunting is is revolving around sexual violence and rape. Yeah, but of course, it's uh, best to remember that this is a film, and these are usually made for more. These are made more entertaining. On film than it probably ever was in real life. Not, of course, saying that uh, rape is entertaining. I'm simply saying that when it comes to those exploding helium tanks and whatnot, take it with um, truckloads of salt, of course. Yeah, that, that's uh, something where you can kind of really have to question the film. How much is this based on real events? But and and uh, of course, I I do understand. It, it it's it's a film. It has to work like a film, it needs to have a climax. It needs mm. to have some type of ending. I, I get it. But I, I still, overall, I did feel that the stuff preceding that ending was kind of a more stronger because it was so held back and there really weren't that much anything before the ending. And in my opinion, it kind of did suit very well the overall theme sexual assault yeah this is kind of a funny episode i see that we're almost start starting to analyze the entity itself and not the film that we have <laughs> today, today. 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like this, this was the entity review in disguise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of hard to talk about this film, to, to say the least. Uh, the outer space, I mean. But uh, we can we can try that. If somebody would actually study as their life's work or something, the, the film theory or film itself or or would be able to kind of overanalyze uh, in, in that way the camera angles or, or what is actually happening. I think that would be interesting. But as we are just two dumbos here, I think it's just better to... <laughs> No, but it's better to stick with the how we feel when watching this film and what kind of a thoughts arise. Uh, quite quite simple as that, on the basis of what you see. And when it comes to this film, technically it's apparently quote uses forensic editing and reprocessing techniques to stretch and cut deeply into the surface of film, revealing layers of unsettling emotions repressed inside their stories, end quote. Uh, this is coming from a website called art.base.co, which had like a synopsis of this film. It's called Avant-Garde, as stated. <laughs> when it comes to casting, we have Barbara Hershey from The Entity, of course, known for, what should I say, Falling Down, 1993, Insidious, the horror film from 2010, and perhaps 1114 from 2003 and uh, since we are discussing this material we could say that the house exterior that we see in the film is filmed in El Segundo in California whereas the house itself not surprising to anyone who is uh, set in LA but yeah to get to the point how do you feel when you're watching this film mm, for me it's an it's an it's an interesting question because essentially what outer space is i don't know if it's part of but it's very reminiscent of is the british scratch video movement which was a british video art art culture or movement that that emerged in in the early or mid 1980s and essentially what what scratch video was all about is is precisely the same type of deal as as outer space it's using found footage fast fast cutting and and very multi-layer style to to somehow significant significantly change or alter the original source material and give it a new meaning or enhance its the meaning that the material originally had a lot of the scratch video movement was centering around political ideals and well political art radicalism like for example margaret thatcher was something that quite often found herself as a as a star uh, as a target of the scratch video artists. So therefore, when it comes to the visual presentation of the film, it's it's not something that is completely new to me. 
So, so there is not the, for me, there was not this, I've never seen anything like this before, completely new frontier mm. element. But uh, of course, that does not still mean that the video, film itself wouldn't have an, a strong emotional reaction to me. And what I found outer space to be was in the end extremely hard to watch uh, both extremely literally in in very physical sense epilepsy inducing because th this is most definitely a film that i would recommend to anyone who who is epileptic or has a tendency for migraines yeah would not so serious warning for epileptic people to just do not watch this film please yeah, yeah. S skip immediately. It has extremely like like the uh, simply the editing itself is something that very well might ignite a seizure, and to add add to that, it also has extremely heavy and strong strobe effect. Yeah, let me have a little story time here. the The first time that I saw this film was actually when I was on my way to work because I was. Really tired of having these one-hour trips to work. It would be one hour to one direction, and I just wanted to have something to do, for God's sakes. At least here I could have some time to watch films, short films from movie. And th then I thought, okay, let's let's see what is this outer space nonsense, and just roll it without reading anything. And that was really interesting. Of course, I was in a very lit metro, so I didn't get that like strobe effect so strongly. But my God, when I was... Now, in, in the flat here, in the living room, and I, I thought it was a fucking great idea to put all the lights off and just kind of enjoy and <laughs> get into the mood. Like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and it, it's, it's surprising because the film doesn't give you any warning. Yeah. Like, one would think that, that you know, Cherkaski would have the common decency to, to put a warning text before the film. Yeah. Like, I, I use a shit on a, a strobe. If you have a tendency for epileptic seizures or migraine, just skip the movie. But but nothing, no warning at, at all. And when, when the strobe finally starts, well, well it, 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 it doesn't come exactly out of the bushes. The, the film does this, has this kind of a flickering effect going on right from the get-go. But you you are not soothed in into when when the strobe effect starts to be on its strongest. Like all, all of a sudden, it just you know flashing starts to happen, or, or that white light flashing starts. Yeah, let's go through kind of the the structure, if any, of this film. Basically, it starts with uh, basically you could see it as some kind of a well, found footage film that has just been badly stored somewhere and it would kind of a, almost start looking like a normal film when you start to get into it and you have this external shot of the house. But then it gets deteriorated, deteriorated the film quality and the... What happens to the film physically that you can see? It happens really quickly and there is the, the woman who enters the house by the way, this film is now in black and white. The original film is in color, so this is in black and white. And she enters the building. I think we see the two 
daughters of her there really quickly. But then it gets into this really nightmarish vibe where she looks into this, this corridor and she, I believe she sees two rooms. And then it seems like that the flickering just keeps on going, but the actual frames are not changing to anything. It just gets jammed there, which is really, really eerie. And afterwards, of course, we get to these the attacks of the the entity of of what happens to the house. For me, this was really disturbing as well because I didn't know the entity beforehand, and I just watched this material and what is happening to this lady. And you can't even figure it out because you are watching this deteriorated film. You can't see anyone. She's screaming. What I think it seems like is that the house is falling apart or something. There's an earthquake or some kind of otherworldly force or she's going nuts by herself. Some kind of a seizure or what's happening here. Everything is completely out of control. And uh, then it goes on and on and on and the film deteriorates even further. And then you see the perforation holes of the film and it's starting to do this trope light shit. And, and 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 then it follows with some calm moment insofar as the 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 lady is calm but the film is still mostly going crazy and then there is some more chaos and the, the, there's the shot where she kind of almost like is stabbing the audience with something and and then the final shot i believe is the exterior of the building once again and then it just flickers into oblivion and that's that's it yeah to keep it in with the original source material here the, the entity uh Cherkaski's outer space pretty much deals with the entity's subject matter it, it or at least that's my reading outer space deals with sexual abuse and more specifically with violent rape and kind of my reading of the of the film was that it aims to be an an visual, especially visual simulation of rape, and it it tries to take the simulation as far as as also uh, kind of a, to to transcend into into the viewer's space. So, so to say, uh, to me, the but like it's it's really hard to to put in words, but <laughs> and but uh, yeah, just it's it feels I when I was watching this, especially because I I didn't have the background of having watched the entity, I didn't get the rape idea of the material at all. But now that you mention it, yeah, this is one way to go. Yeah, and kind of. Like this, this, this sounds stu stupid as all hell, but I, I would almost maintain that the film actually tries sexually assault its audience. <laughs> like, and 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 my my rationality here is that 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 a rape is something that happens kind of in in two realms to its victim. There, there is the physical realm of of sexual assault, which is. <clears throat> basically everything that happens and then there is the the emotional side of of re, of sexual assault which is is crossing the individual borders and crossing the rights 
that individuals hold sacred and self-explanatory. Like you and I, we have the right to control and be in command of our bodies, as long as we don't use our bodies to harm others. That's that's an essential right to every human being, pretty much. And in in rape and in, in sexual assault, the one doing the assault breaks those boundaries. There's kind of there's this unwritten and unworded out rule that you are not supposed to touch my body without my permission. Mm. And during a sexual assault, that rule is being dis- discarded I- extremely strongly and violently, which is something that that I believe you can actually found in 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 the later statements and testimonies of those who have gone through an an sexual assault. In in statements like it made me feel worthless and I felt violated because there there is a that there is something kind of a bigger concept like my right to be untouched that has been broken against mm. and and this this of course i i must emphasize is <clears throat> is is really 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 ex- extremely uh, kind of a lame ass comparison but i do i kind of believe that the film aims to do this as film critics, we also have a set of rules that we kind of uh, take for granted. One of these is is the whole concept of, of the death of the author and the right for film critics to read into film what uh, what they want. Like you, you they take Grave of the Fireflies, for example. Mm. You can you can watch Grave of the Fireflies and, and think that, oh my god. Like Roger Ebert said, this is one of the best anti-war movies ever done. No, I don't know about that, really. And neither would the director of the film, who has gone on the record to state that the film does not have an anti-war message at all. But we film critics, those who write to the papers, the Roger Eberts, and us, you and me, two podcasters, we take... Take it for granted that, of course, we autonomously we do have the right to read what we want into 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 the source material. That's essentially that's the Flick Labs whole game. We provide the uh, the analysis of any given film that we approach to, like we are doing here right now, like we did with Parasite, like we did did the Suspiria movies. And that is kind of a holy right to a film audience to, to watch, to consume, and to interpret the, the material as we do, as we want to do. And what Other Space ends up doing is that it essentially it breaks all the rules of filmmaking. It breaks all the rules of editing. These being the, the kind of a boundaries that we want to hold very very strongly because it it helps us in our in our interpretations like for example the the golden rules how editing should go you you a person cuts uh, looks into direction left you cut to the person on the left mm. 
basic editing 101 rules, which you are supposed to hold most of the cases. If you don't, you are doing essentially bad editing, unless it's some really strong artistic sensibility. But outer space breaks all the rules. And outer space does do it uh, to an extent where it becomes so unclear and so ambiguous that you really can't do anything with the material. Like, you, you can't really analyze this because you can't make head or tails about it. You can't make any goddamn sense what you are seeing. Yeah, because you, you, at, at times you can't even see the actual fucking film thanks to all, all the editing that goes, goes on. Yeah, and so, I think that is really scary. That's what is scary. Even scarier than the entity in that sense. You can't make sense of anything that's going on. Yeah, and that's how I understand, or I, I can believe it very much can feel when you are being sexually assaulted. And yeah. just like your basic rights, your rights not to be touched are being broken against when you are be, for, facing the assault, the film critics perceived basic rights to, you know, have your own in interpretation of the source material is mm. also being touched and broken against by a film that you can't understand. Yeah, and Henrik, what is rape about, essentially? It's about the, lose, the loss of control. And that's essentially what is happening to the film material, actually. You start to see the perforation and the film is completely out of control. And it's it's kind of the bending the reality. You get plunged into this the between universes where reality gets completely scrambled, and you see those perforation edges. So uh, you are not anymore really inside the film. You are in some kind of a betweener world, and you have definitely lost control. Yeah, yeah, you're you're in you're kind of going through just you know bunch of images that that don't correlate with each other and like it it just it it is that film kind of just exists and flashes uh, flashes by your eyes. Yeah, and it's uh, it's almost like the the feeling feeling that you get is that you would like to really see better what is going on and you are so. Kind of concerned throughout the film like what is going on with this lady and you would almost like to reach out and help her but she is living in the reality of that film reel and the film reel is out of control and what can i do and as an audience you are just left baffled there on your seat where am i yeah yeah and, and then when the film finally actually clears a bit when it focuses on something on, on the 7 minutes, 24, 25 second mark, what you actually see clearly is violence done to that lady. The, the, all all no. the editing bullshit takes a break exactly on the moment when the lady's face is violently being smashed against a mirror. Yeah, and I'm not sure how this sound in the film is, is sourced when you hear this, you know, this, uh, when you would put on a vinyl, this kind of a scratchy, noise that you get in the background and I, I think that that is really eerie contribution and that kind of essentially is <laughs> is the the entirety of Cherkaski's outer space it's 
it's 10 minutes of that. Yeah, it's 10 minutes and, of that. Yeah, and the emotional reaction you, you get from the film is is quite strong. Like, I, you, you, you feel yourself... I, I felt tired, and mm. I, I felt kind of drained in, in some weird, unexplainable way. It's hard to put in put in the words for me at least how you feel after after the film. I I certainly well what kind of a way is it for like a movie enthusiast to watch a film in a metro? I I apologize for every film enthusiast for that, but I was really desperate to see a film. And but I what I found fasc fascinating is that I was in the metro with my headphones looking at this and being really impressed and actually scared. I would say that this is one of the scariest films that I, I have seen in a long time. Yeah, there is something subliminal hmm. in, in in the film and in the effect that the film has on you. No, there's a good word for that. <laughs> well, what's your favorite performance? The, the film really doesn't have a performance. It, it it has exactly one performance who really isn't isn't performing here. Like Barbara Hershey doesn't even know that she's she's in this film. <laughs> this is pretty meta. Uh, uh, but I would give this one to the film perforations. That's a great performance. That actually isn't bad answer at all. I, I should have been able to thought that one. Myself too. Nobody ever dictated in this podcast that it would be something living and breathing that is doing the best performance. That 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 is I I exactly true. Yeah, I guess th this is the kind of film where you can name a favorite shot, and uh, th that I would give to the external shots of the house near the end. There's something really eerie about this building when it's in black and white, and I suppose also, also the film contrast has been altered where it looks even darker. Yeah, on on my end, it it would be at eight minute mark. This is one of the more clearer shots of of Hershey. It's it's the moment when, like you worded it out, it it looks like she's almost stabbing the audience. Oh yeah, that is memorable and my favorite quote. Well, there's no dialogue. No, I, I'm I'm not even gonna try this one. Yeah, there's a limit to my creativity here. Uh, three adjectives to describe the film. Um, on on my end, it would it would be dark, violent, and explosive. Hmm. Surprisingly, I have different adjectives for this one. It's a uh, haunting, surreal, and disturbing. Eric, would you recommend Outer Space 1999? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a tough one. Obviously, obviously, I, I wouldn't recommend this one, this to anyone who, who might get an epileptic seizure or, or migraine. 
make no mistake about it. Avoid, avoid, avoid all costs. But that's as as far as as the easy answers go. Um, I kinda would generally give this overall recommendation, like recommendation to everyone. But that comes with the notion that I I am fully aware that most likely only only like film buffs who are into avant-garde, who are into surrealism, might actually enjoy this. And even then, enjoy might be the wrong word. It's uh, like, like the thing is, it's it's not a bad film in any way, in, in any sense. Like the film's main main goal is to have a strong emotional reaction on its audience and in my opinion also also you know simulate sexual assault and i i think it it passes on on both with flying co- colors the, this might be the best simulation i've ever ever experienced if you can even make that kind of a statement it it did have a strong emotional reaction on me mo- most definitely but at the same time because it's so goddamn avant-garde on its presentation, it might be so that the casual movie watcher could find it completely unenjoyable. And partly, yes, that is the film's goal. Obviously, sexual assault shouldn't be enjoyable. God damn it, of course. But also enjoyable in the sense that the point might fly by... Or the perceived, my what I believe is the point of the film might fly past the most casual of movie watchers, and this might be the film where most of those who end up seeing this will make the argument, "Oh, it was shit. I didn't understand any of it. It, it didn't have any meaning." That, that's the most likely scenario that I can I, I can visualize happening when when watching and discussing or discussing the film but i i still kind of would would recommend this one it's it's a hell of a ride can't can't make a podcast episode for about it to to, to save your life but but, <laughs> but by god it's something that i i would say yeah go out and and check it out yeah i i love this one I I I loved it. Of course, I'm not a fan of rape in any sense, but uh, but in the way that it gets into the subliminal terrorization, terror of the mind, it's definitely not for everyone. Certainly not not as you mentioned for those epileptic people out there. Don't watch it. But like you said, it might get to the point where you might be part of the audience that just doesn't understand this kind of cinema or doesn't understand the point. Why am I watching this? I don't get it. I saw these comments around the internet. I don't get it. And I get it that you don't don't get it. It's okay. This is more for film buffs, I guess. But, but what I have personally learned when doing this laboratory that we're, podcast that we're doing, when I have been watching films for a long time, is that there are you can open so many different avenues on on the way that you can enjoy and uh, look at a film. Like, of course, if, if I would have watched this 20 years ago, I would have probably said that this is a complete shit show. Like, who, who, who the fucking idiot put this together anyway? But 
then you have this 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 painting approach this that this you just you have to discard all your usual way of looking at film there is no story structure it's just what you feel when you're watching it and i loved it I guess it's time to get back to Earth. I guess so. So, what what will be the next week's cinematic experience? Well, 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 well. Um, <laughs> of course, this is not also not funny in any way. But um, I'm just gonna throw it out. I'm just gonna give it a go for the sake of Tom. What should you do, Goldfinger? The the porn film that has some really questionable sexual practices in it. Yeah. Mean. Sean Connery just died, so I thought it would be, again, at the edge and following the trends, of course. That, that's already an old subject when the episode comes out. But, um, okay, it, it can be Goldfinger. I'm not forcing Goldfinger. We can... Also look at some other libraries of Sean Connery. No problem with that. But Goldfinger for sure is the film to watch if you're gonna look at like the, the go the some of the best work that he has done and is most remembered for, but still not pushing it. Sure, you know, why not? You know, in 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 memory of now unfortunately late Sean Connery. Yeah, by by all means. Let, let's let's Come from film that deals with sexual assault and check out the film where Sean Connery sexually assaults a lady. So, no, next week, Goldfinger, everybody. Yeah, keeping with the theme of sexual assault in this podcast next week. Toi mikään taideteos on toi Another Time, Another Place, mutta siinäkin jotakin viehitystä kyllä. The Untouchables, en mä nyt ehkä menisi sinne ainakaan. Liian samanlainen nimileffa. The Rock, no joo. Herkas mies liika. <laughs> no hitto, mitä hittoa. Mitä, Highlander 2? <laughs>